Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets, no, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese, or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. What's up, everybody? This is Scott Yeager here for another really wacky and wild edition of Challenge Mania. I'm not going to lie. This episode is brought to you by the brand new I'm a Challenge Maniac enamel pin. It is limited edition. There are only a 100 of them, and you can get yours at zombiesailor.com. All of them come on a signed and numbered card back that D&I personally autographed. That is zombiesailor.com. Be one of the people who has this collector's item once these are sold out. All right. You didn't come for me. You came for D. So in the spirit of Casino and Las Vegas, where we're going in a couple weeks, the Robert De Niro to my Joe Pesci, or maybe you're Joe Pesci and I'm Robert De Niro. Who do you want to be, D? Derek Kaczynski on the line. Uh, sometimes I want to be the guy that survives, and sometimes I want to be the guy that beats the shit out of people and then survives, but... Joe Pesci dies, I think. He does. That, he gets killed in, in the that desert. That. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, got, I feel like I got a little bit of both in me, so I'm going to play both. Scott, I got to give a big shout-out to Chicago. I was just there for two for two weeks visiting my family. Love my family. Shout-out to everyone that's in my family. I got to do some really cool things, my friend. I got to – I attempted to become, be a I, – I, I played um, American Ninja Warrior with uh, a real American Ninja Warrior, a guy that's like – wins and wins and wins and just one last monday night ethan swanson shout out to him um i got to take my son on a boat into chicago's playpen uh on lake michigan he jumped in lake michigan for the first time did a little bit of swimming was very comfortable i had a lot of fun and lastly i attempted to shoot a firework out of my brother's ass the video got deleted from instagram because well i mean clearly it's a little a little much but these stories are nothing compared to what we're about to hear from this man, Isaac Stout. Um, holy shit. This is not like any Challenge Mania podcast you have ever heard. We want to thank all you guys for all the positive feedback we got for our last three episodes, all of which contained a cast member from this current season of The Real World on Facebook Watch from Atlanta. We had Dondre, we had Clint, we had Tova, and some of you out there had said, look, these are great, but we miss our Challenge Vets, we miss our Challenge alums, and so we listened, we answered the call. Isaac Stout is here today, of course, from Real World Sydney, two seasons of the Challenge, and and a short stint on Big Brother UK that we will get to as well. This guy is an absolute maniac in the best sense of the word. I do want to give like a little bit of a language warning. Is that okay, D? I'm going to do some bleeping as well. But just in case, I will. I mean, there will be a little bit of language in this episode that I feel like some of it just has to be left in. Maybe bleeped, maybe not bleeped. Just to give you the essence of some of the stories he tells. This podcast is ultimately like four stories. But they're so great. And you will look at your watch and be like, wow, that was 40 minutes, and and you had no idea. But that being said, between uh, Isaac and maybe even a little bit of you and a little bit of me, some of the language in this episode I'm going to apologize in advance for, but I feel like this episode kind of needs that. 
I really do because uh, it's great. I mean, this I, I think you're all gonna like it. Yeah, at some point during the interview, I was like, yeah, I don't know if our audience is going to love us or hate us at the end of the, at the end of this, but at the very least, I know they're going to be fucking entertained. Um, and emphasis on the effing because, um, not that there's a lot of f-bombs, but you know, the language is a little bit of like old school and, you know, he's, you know, he's still like, you know, that guy, you know, guy from Cleveland, like, Seems like he's, you know, blue collar worker. Um, I watched him the whole time. So he's, and he's pacing the whole time. It's, did it's, the it's, entire it's really funny, interview so. while pacing around his home on video. So I saw he literally did not stand still for the entire time, <laughs> yes. but I think that made this better. I will say, um, speaking yeah. of not standing still, uh, for the entire time, I'm going to be shocked if any of you guys are standing still when you're in Las Vegas with us in a couple weeks. You've already missed out. If you didn't, if you didn't get a room on our Challenge Mania block over at Harrah's, congratulations to those who did. Well done. There are still tickets left for the show. Everybody's VIP folks. Everybody gets a I'm a Challenge Maniac cup. Everybody gets a Kayla Casillas. Kayla can do it magnet, or at least until supplies last. Everybody's getting a Challenge Accepted bracelet. Everybody's getting a limited edition Craig Marrier poster signed by you and me. You get it signed by everybody else. Everybody gets to meet Leroy, Brandon, Kayla, Mikey, Tova, your Yourself, myself, ask us questions, ask everybody questions during the QA portion. Everybody is VIP. Tickets available at challengemania.vegas. That is coming to you on Saturday, August the 3rd. Um, the only time I want to see you guys sitting is if you're sitting at a blackjack table or sitting at the roulette wheel. But even then, if you're at the roulette wheel, I want to see you standing, getting that good energy going. Red 21 all day. I might be betting on Brock's birthday now. Maybe 20, maybe 3. Who knows? Okay, here's the thing. Challenge Mania Vegas is on the 3rd. You guys know that. Challenge Mania, Derek's birthday bash on Saturday, August the 17th. I have a guest to announce for you today. All right. Fresh off, barely missing that final on War of the Worlds. Pauly Calafiori. That's right. Hashtag still here. Hashtag still looking for the beeps that I don't give. Mr. Paulie Calafiori will be joining us for your birthday bash. The Caroline's on Broadway ticket to challengemania.nyc. You know, every time I see that shirt that says he's still here, I, like, it, it makes me slightly jealous. Like, I almost want to be right next to him with the middle finger pointing out to everyone else, too. Is that is that okay? Is that is that fair? Is, is, it just goes back to the Joe Pesci slash Robert De Niro, you know, thing that I, I feel like I, I enjoy more about myself than anything. Is, does that work? The, uh, Is that too vulgar? Is person, that too many F-bombs? Every single, not for Joe Pesci, every single person listening to this wishes that you were still there, uh, a.k.a. still here as far as on the challenge. But you are still with us here today for this amazing episode with Isaac Stout. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, guys, go to zombiesailor.com. He put together these amazing metal enamel pins. That's right. They're not like buttons. They're pins. They're so dope. It's a Craig Marrier design. I'm a challenge maniac. Looks like that famous Hulkamania logo, brother. Really awesome. It comes on this card back. It looks like a shirt being ripped. It's signed by you. It's signed by me. Every one of them is numbered to 100 because once these 100 are gone, they are gone. The first pin sold out in three days. There are still a couple of these left, guys. Head to zombiesailor.com to get yours. Head to challengemania.shop to get your brand new cam gear. You can get the queen shirt if you're like into queen cam. You can get the killer shirt if you're into killer cam. Or you can get the half queen, half killer cam shirt, whatever you want over there at challengemania.shop. I mentioned the two shows that are on the horizon coming up, Vegas and New York, but you know we're also hitting San Francisco. Cobb's Comedy Club on Saturday, September the 7th. Kahuta, Abram, Durrell, yourself, myself. It's our craziest lineup 
wherever you can get tickets for that and all of our shows at challengemania.live. You can already get tickets to Philly on October the 13th. I think the tickets for Chicago on November 23rd are going on sale this week, if not next week. Stay tuned for that. At that show, we'll be roasting Mark Long when we officially give him his Hall of Fame ring and induct him into the 2019 Hall of Fame class of Challenge Mania. And then Saturday, December the 21st, we come to the 305 Pitbull's hometown of Miami. That's right. You might not see Pitbull, but you might get bit by one at this show on the 21st of Miami, right before ringing in the holiday season at the Miami Improv. Tickets are available for all these at our new website, challengemania.live. I don't want to take up more of your time. I want to get you guys to this interview with Isaac. It's off the chain. Guys, let us hear the feedback. Let Isaac know. He does, he's not very active on Twitter. Um, what, what is his Twitter again? It's something, uh, something kind of weird. Oh, sometimes Isaac. Uh, very literal because he said he's only sometimes on here. He had to go and look up his password to retweet our podcast link. So let him hear it, guys. He's got a, his own podcast debut in this Wednesday called Counter Tourists. And uh, when you hear about his company, Bucket List Travel, when you hear about that, you will understand this guy was born to talk about travel. So you're going to want to check out that podcast as well. Hit him up on Twitter at Sometimes Isaac. Hit me up at Shot of Jaeger. He's at Derek MTB on all platforms. On Instagram, I'm at Scott of Jaeger. Facebook.com slash Challenge Mania Podcast. Man, we're just a couple shots of tequila away from having a full bar here today, D. We've got Jaeger. We've got a stout to wash it down with us, right? This is getting tasty. Yeah. Let's get to it. And a Pesci. Is there a Pesci? And a Pesci. Pesci would probably be like a schnapps. Yeah. Listen, after after two after two weeks with just straight family time, I'm ready for some uh, Vegas adult time, Scott. Yes. Well, we will you, see you, you call guys me whatever in you, Vegas. You guys call me whatever you want in Vegas. Come an adult with us in Vegas on Saturday, August the 3rd. It is going to be a great day and a great weekend in Las Vegas. We're trying to put something together uh, for the next day in the morning for you guys to stick around. Maybe a little brunch in the morning, too. Stay tuned for that. All right, guys, here we go. Mr. Isaac Stout. What's up, man? Hey, man. I thought we were doing a voice call. I had to put some clothes on. We are doing a voice call. You just so happen to be on FaceTime. What's up, buddy? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Yeah, man. Nice to see you again. Uh, we could just go audio in, in here in a second. I just figured I'd, I'd pop in and say what's up. Nice to, thanks for popping in, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. The last time I saw you was probably... Hammered. Yeah, sure. I'm sure it was. Uh, it was the 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 real world night where the real world had like a, like. Oh. Some, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get into that night? Can we get into that night? Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, why don't we? Um, Scott. Scott's on here too. Scott. This is Isaac. Isaac. What's this is up, Scott. Isaac? How are you, man? Hey, big man. So is my audio okay? Pacing the room. I usually pace when I talk because I yeah. don't know why that just happens. I think you sound fine. Yeah. Yeah, you sound oh, good. Thanks, man. I'm, I used to be a pacer too, man. I used to be a pacer until Scott was like, "All right, we're gonna get you some headphones. It sounds a lot better, more crisp with the headphones on." Now I can't pace, so I'm like, you know, you, can, you, you have to. Yeah, yeah. It, your but when blood I blood goes, your brain goes, and I honestly no shit. I get probably I watch my steps, and I get about twenty thousand steps a day, and I don't leave the house. Yeah. Well, here's here's my problem. When I used to pace before we got the headphones, I, I would get done and my feet would hurt. I'd be like, dude, I just stood and I paced for an hour, and now my oh, feet yeah. are killing me. <laughs> uh, but I think everything came out better. You can pace now. You just got to hold your laptop. 
I know. This is what I'm doing right now. Why don't you get him a wireless headset? Brittany had one. It's de- it doesn't sound the same. Uh, Brittany sounded yeah. awesome in concert. Oh, Brittany. I was like, Brittany who? I'm like, you listen to Brittany Thornton's podcast? You know, you know Brittany, bitch. Brittany yeah, Spears. I do. Oh, as a matter of fact, speaking of another Isaac story, because I don't have that many of him, I briefly remember him seeing him at the Real World Award Show, which I wasn't at i was at the after party and i saw all these dudes there we're getting in a limo something happened i don't know if you got kicked out of the limo or you kicked yourself out of the limo because oh, we got someone that out. was in there <laughs> and then um and then also uh the britney spears story the i was at like a vmas with you and your cast and kellyanne kahuta and i think it was the night that britney spears at, was was doing like the had had that weird moment where where she was like, like, I don't know, she's either fucked up or like pilled out or I have no idea, but she, she, had, it was that moment where, um, she was like really off, you know, and she was doing like, I'm a slave for you and all her shit was like off, you know what I mean? That was, that was it, right? I uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like Brittany is near and dear to Isaac's heart, so I don't think he was there for that catastrophic fall from grace that you were at, D. That was, that was actually my favorite of her life period like that's when i liked her the most when she was off her fucking rocker and bald Ooh, ooh, scott that's do you want to give this me on scott do you want to give this man an introduction are we gonna are we already rolling what's, let's roll, what's going let's on roll here? right <laughs> into it guys if you haven't figured it out by now joining us on the line is mr isaac stout uh from real world sydney two seasons of the challenge and i had no idea but i guess a season of big brother uk as well we'll get to that welcome to the show my friend hey thanks for having me Konnichiwa, hola, namaste, hello. Yeah, so Scott, you know, back in the day after I had taken a, a long hiatus from these shows and people would ask me what it was like and I'd start reminiscing and I look back and I, I, I would tell them almost the same thing every time after I'd been out of it for a long time. Like, I feel like when I look back, I was in a tornado, like Dorothy's tornado from Wizard of Oz and there was like, cows and shit flying around and uh and sometimes i feel like i got hit in the head a few times and 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 that was crazy man it was one hell of a whirlwind i'm not sure how long you were in this game i have a few memories with you not on the challenge but you know i wouldn't mind you know going way back with this guy scott and seeing what this road for him was like what the yellow brick road was was like for him and was it yellow oh that's a that's a very broad question. <laughs> a bit of an existential uh, <laughs> question as well, there, D. Was it yellow? But I under hey, first of all, when I, when you told me yesterday, you're like, hey, we're gonna do a podcast. I'm like, yes, and you're like, go RT, and I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so tell me again, what what's RT? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I had to ask the chick I was with. I was like, what the hell is an RT? She's like, it's either real time or real talk or retweet. And I was like, ah, <laughs> Twitter. So then I had to figure out what my Twitter password was. And he, you basically told me, you're like, dude, I was like, I don't even know if I know how to tweet. I think I might have done it five times like a year ago, five years ago, because they made me. And you're like, come back from the dead. So I can relate to what you're saying in that. It was a whirlwind, especially for somebody who's not – not that I'm not built for the spotlight because obviously I'm a young goddamn American wet dream. But I'm not somebody that needs it to survive. You know what I mean? 
So I did go through that crazy Dorothy, whatever you said, cow shit hitting you experience. But then I, you know, I like to duck out. I like to lay low. I don't necessarily want people to know what I'm doing every second of the day. And I really don't give a shit what you ate for brunch is why I hid from social media. But question at hand, why? See, look at this. What you doing? Women. So back in the day, I had absolutely never seen the real world. I had absolutely no interest in reality television. It just wasn't my thing. Um, I'm about to get into the inception story of how I got into reality TV. If we have time, I don't know, you know how how far I can delve. No, we delve, do because delve. we love it. Yeah, you, you are an interest. You're one interesting motherfucker. And yes, I was looking at those at the same Big Brother pictures or whatever you were alluding to, Scott. <laughs> and this dude was on like Big Brother Ten in a sneak attack, feeling up on some girl's boobs. Um, that you know, that's all I know. That's all I saw you doing, man. What the hell are you doing that's there? I, well, let's start. But let's go before that. So yeah. So let's get the inception. Okay. So oh, so the casting the story. The boob grabs. The the limo. Get to all these. All right. So here's how Isaac Stout got on the real world. I was in Arizona at the time. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Born and raised. Love it. Love the people. I'm in Arizona. I'm dating this girl, and she's all about it. Blonde Arizona chick, of course. They're coming to town. They're doing live auditions. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. <clears throat> what is the tell me again? Real world is what? And she's like, well, it's this reality show. Blah, 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 blah. No, hands down, not happening. I'm envisioning people in tents, you know, American Idol style. I'd actually rather not do that at all. I'd rather be at the house. You got to do it. You got to do it. No, you got to do it. You got to do it. No. And of course, when you're that age and you're with a chick and you tell her no, Eventually, certain amenities, oral amenities, just different kind of stuff start getting neglected. And, you know, it's like once they withhold enough from you, okay, here's the deal. I just came in the driveway. I was listening to the radio. They said on the radio, there's front of the line passes for the real world audition. If you call, if I call in and I win, I'll go with you to the front of the line. I'm not going in a tent. And I'm not, you know, waiting for days, but I'll go with you to the front of the line, you know, guide you in, and I get all my oral or whatever amenities back. Deal. And if you don't, then that's it. You never mention it again. It's under the rug. It's gone with the wind. So she said, okay. So I go, all right. I called literally then in two rings. Congratulations. Thank you for calling 99X.5. You are the winner. The front of the line passes. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. Can I say that? Yes. All right. I'm trying not to swear, but so I was like, ah, all right. So I had to present my ID in order to get these front of the line passes for me and a plus one, which is her, who is, this is her life goal. And this is, you know, me going to the dentist. And so I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> when is the audition? And the audition, and this is the silly part. So I've, I've only gotten one DUI in my entire lifetime, and it was in college. And I wasn't really drunk. I was in, I was in a dorm where you couldn't smoke weed. I don't smoke or do anything anymore, but I did smoke at the time. I was in my car smoking, uh, parked, keys in the ignition, cop gave me a DUI. 
Okay. What state? Arizona. Okay. So, and I did a fair amount of making jokes so that I could understand why this guy gave me a DUI. The unfortunate part was in Arizona, it's mandatory to go to jail for at least 24 to 10, 24 hours to 10 days if you get a DUI of any sort. Mandatory. So the real world audition was on the day that I had to go to jail. (laughs) So... I was like, oh, honestly, I had a fair amount of like internally debating, do I want to, would I rather go to this audition or jail? Because at least jail has Telemundo. And guess what? In Arizona, that's all they play in jail is Telemundo. So anyway, I have to think of a plan. I have asthma, which I don't like a lot of people on the real world to know because, you know, I get winded and people take advantage of that. He, he is he's pacing. He, he is pacing for the record. He is still pacing. And I think I he's going to go the full hour, Scott. I didn't just I didn't just have an air attack. That was a joke. <sighs> so anyway, I ran back and forth from my house smoking Newport 100 cigarettes for about an hour, right from my house to the gas station, back and forth, self-induced an asthma attack, went to the hospital, called the judge from the hospital and said, listen, I cannot go to jail tomorrow. I have a legit medical excuse. I'm having an asthma attack. Judge said, all right, we can postpone your jail date for a week. Get out from the hospital, go home, pick the chick up, go to this interview. And, you know, we pass everybody past the front of the line. And there were people in freaking tents. This is back in the day when anyone gave a shit about the real world. So we walked to the front of the line. She goes into this big auditorium and everybody's in these circles and doing interviews and stuff. I was like, you know, all the luck because every boyfriend wants to see their girl on the real world. That always ends up awesome. And so I'm in the lobby uh, just chilling, actually smoking Newport hundreds casually this time, not self-detrimentally. And some guy's sitting next to me and we start shooting the shit. And he's like, you should try out. And I was like, yeah. You should fuck off. (laughs) You should try it out. And I was like, yeah, dude, I should. I'm going to get to that after this, whatever. And so, you know, we start talking, talking, talking. I'm telling stories, two guys on a couch. And he goes, listen, so today is just this random bullshit. We just interview a bunch of people. Tomorrow we do the on-camera interviews. So I'm like, yeah, of course, dude. Like, I really don't want to do it today. So I fucking would love to do it tomorrow. And he's like, no, you don't understand. If you get on this show, you're going to be put up in a house. You're going to get a paycheck. There's going to be hot chicks. And you literally have nothing to do but get drunk for like three to six months. And I was like, so wait, what time tomorrow are you? does everybody like show up? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come at three, buddy. And I was like, all right, I'll be here. So that's when I really got the bug. <laughs> when this guy talked to me, I went, I did an on-camera interview, and I just – you know, waited and they said, I, I thought it was done. And then eventually they called me up and they're like, Hey, are you filming this? And you had to have a little camera. And I was like, yeah, they're like, guess what? You got on the real world. And I was like, Oh shit. I, I actually already have some stuff planned. I got to do. And they're like, wait, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. And they're like, ha 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 ha. And we can't give you any hints about where it's going to be, but here's a hint there's kangaroos there. And I was like, fuck yeah. And they put me up in a mansion in Australia. 
paycheck, hot chicks, and all you had to do was just get hammered and have fun for three months. And that's when I really got the the itch. I was like, reality TV is cool. Hold on, hold on. I feel like he fast-forwarded, like, through some, like, important times there. No, I feel like there was, like, four follow-up interviews we didn't have to sit through, probably, right? There might have been. Yes. <laughs> That's I, what you're I saying, rem- right? I remember yeah. telling people, like, no, I didn't get yeah. it just because so much time had gone by. I was like, nah, well, I don't think they're interested. You had well, to do, no. like, a questionnaire. No, I'm, well, he went, he went from, like, he went from, like, being there with his girl to, like, instead of, you know, to, to like, skipping that, that day to going to the next day. And then just like being on the show after one phone call. I'm okay with skipping the like but, the stuff but in so, the middle. So the casting director. So did you actually go through the casting call, or was some random guy like, "Hey, I see you smoking a lot of Newports over here. Why don't you come in? Why don't you really skip the line and tell us your story?" And then you're like, "Why? Who are you? Like some kind of fucking casting guy?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm the casting guy. You want to try out for this fucking show where you, you could potentially." You know, be in a house with with hot chicks and and get drunk for thirty six months. Like, how, you know what I mean? Like, did yeah, that's really that's what happened. Now I could be you, forgetting steps in the middle. Did you, because like he when he pretty much broke it down for me. Like, it's not reality TV. Like you're some douchebag that's just trying to get attention. You get paid. There's hot chicks. There's mansions involved and in travel. That's what I was like. Yeah, it's worth my time. The next day, I did the on-camera like four-hour interview. Okay. And then, what's great also is you just said it's not reality TV like douchebags, and then you just listed like a bunch of douchebag shit. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> what do like, you mean? You're like it's not for people who want to get attention. It's just you have to get drunk and and there's hot chicks and blah blah blah. It's like that's kind of the same thing, no? Whoa. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's like are you some kind of douchebag. Yeah. Who are you? Who the <laughs> fuck are you? Like, what are you talking? Like, is that not like every 19, like most 19 year Like, I don't understand how that could be a douchebag. Some money, guy wanting money, to like women and beer and, and for free. Just like, it doesn't matter. You're going on this life experience and there will be. Pr- okay. Let's not, let's, let's not be as vulgar, Scott. Sorry, buddy. No, no, it's not like, about the vulgarity. Girls, let's go. Like, I, you can I, have pretty girls there. No, no. You what I'm saying is, you want, I'm saying is you're splitting hairs. Cause what you're saying is like, for instance, the hypothetical on the other side is you're saying some people want to be on reality TV for like attention and fame and glitz and glamour, but you're just skipping that step. Cause you're saying this guy's promising you the stuff that you can buy with the glitz and the glamour. Had you gotten that essentially? Hey, right. First off, first off, get him, Isaac. Get him. I'm, no, no, no. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm because I'm an anti gettimer I'm going to bring this shit down to the median, okay? Because I understand what he's saying, and he understands what I'm saying. It just needs to be put into standard plain English for the audience. And I'm going to put it in Derek terms. Okay. So Isaac, here's Isaac's terms. In my head at the time when I watched reality TV. I looked at the guys and I went, God, this dude is such a hollow shell of a man that the only happiness he can draw from this world is when people stare at him on TV and give him props because he's famous and all that, which is to each his own. I'm not judging, but that didn't feel like me. I felt like I didn't need that attention. Now, what he's saying is for me to say, okay, I don't want the attention, but I want chicks and beer and money. 
then in the dictionary, I am the world's biggest douchebag. But <laughs> not necessarily, but sure. I was just saying, <laughs> I was just saying, I didn't realize at the time. I thought the, the positive of being on reality TV was that, yay, everybody look at me and how cool I am. I thought that was the positive. I just didn't realize at such a young age, the positive is chicks and beer and money. Right. Well, also the experience of it, too, in the sense that, I mean, the real world in general, and especially a season like you got to go on where you get to go to Sydney. I mean, it's not like you got cast for real world Baltimore, but like you get to go to Sydney, you get to meet a bunch of people your age who are like minded. None of them are necessarily the type of person you were scared of having to interact with on reality TV. You make a couple of lifelong friends along the process. And then the extension of that is the challenge where you're literally going to exotic locations doing stuff you'd never be able to do otherwise. I don't know if you got bit by the travel bug by doing this, but reality TV, depending on what the experience is, is honestly something that for a lot of us, money couldn't even buy. You know what I mean? Fame can't even buy that. Like, you could be a decent actor and not be able to do some of the stuff you can do on the challenge. So, I'm with you there. Also, also, first off, I want to preface this by when I said I was going to bring it down, I thought that meant you were going to stop screaming at me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so but what i have to say is you're asking me to talk about the past in the past that was what i that's how i got hooked by a 20 year old or an 18 or 19 year old guy boy really that they say here's money and boobs and booze i don't know anybody douchebag or not that's not like heads up like that's a you know jackpot but looking back now you're talking about the present or my my view of what happened, which is totally different because the money's gone. You know, the booze, that's pretty much wrecked every memory I probably have. And the chicks, you know, they're gone. So what what have I kept? What have I noticed that has made my life more beneficial from reality TV is the stuff that you mentioned. It's absolutely correct. If I hadn't been on reality TV, I would be somewhere in Cleveland doing some bullshit job and probably have a fat wife and, you know, have had none of these experiences and never thought that I could leave my cubicle or my, you know, garbage truck or whatever the hell I'd be doing. And so the fact (laughs) is I'm doing cool shit because I got dragged out of my dumbass lifestyle and put in a position to see the world from a different perspective. I have made lifelong friends. I have learned a shit ton about myself by travel. I'm addicted to travel. I have a travel company now because I realized that unlike a lot of unfortunate, not just Americans, but people, if somebody doesn't drag you outside of your comfort zone and your safety zone, you know, chances are your cubicle is the same thing as your coffin. Like you just do what you have to do in a regular pattern until you die with the promise of happiness and travel in the future. But if you're not a trigger puller, then that shit doesn't happen. So yeah, it was a beneficial to my life. I'll try not to yell, but I do want to know what happened. How did the girl take it? Who you were dating at the time? Was she jealous or disappointed? (laughs) She gone. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Was the big brother stint or appearance before real world or after real world? After. Oh, really? So season ten. Okay, it's, okay. It was in the I'm UK. Fouls. Big Brother was in the All UK, right? right? 
So, story number two, Isaac Stout. San Francisco, we are so excited to come and do Challenge Mania Live at Cobb's Comedy Club on September 7th. I'm a big fan of San Francisco. One of my favorite movies ever took place in San Francisco. The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. Do you mean me, Scott? Yes, I, I do, Sean. Is that you right there? Yes, it is me. The Rock has become a tourist attraction. Well, yeah, it has, but we're not doing the show at The Rock, Alcatraz. We're doing it at Cobb's Comedy Club. We're doing it. We put together the best lineup ever. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fight. No, 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 don't, don't say the rest. Don't say the rest. We've got Abram Boise, Darrell Taylor, Kahana Grindstaff, some of the best storytellers in the history of the challenge, and, of course, me and DKO as well. Tickets on sale at ChallengeMania.Live. What do you have to say about that? That's a pretty great blueprint for an amazing live show. My blueprint was in my head. I, I know. Look, I, I don't even know how I'm talking to you right now. Maniacs, get your tickets. ChallengeMania.Live, Saturday, September 7th, in the Bay Area, San Francisco. San Francisco. All I want to know is, are you happy with your haircut? Dialogue. Um, I was on The Real World, and it's actually on, sorry for hacking up, I'm with a house with cats in it right now, so I've got a little bit of sinuses going on. I got allergic to cats, too. I hate them, but that's a different story. They remind me of women. So I'm on Real World, and this is on one of the episodes, and the actual episode is called Big Pimpin'. On, if you look it up online, it's called Big Pimpin'. I got in the house, it was our second day in the house, and I was like, yeah. I've met you all. You are all awesome. Everybody's great. Met Kahuta. And now let's go hook ourselves some Australian pussy. And I'm not saying that again as a grown adult looking back. <laughs> Those were my words on the episode. Let's go hook us some Australian pussy. So, of course, I put on a blue <laughs> tracksuit and a skull belt buckle and work boots and I thought, I'm going to go out here and catch the hottest chick in Australia. So you're watching on TV. Some people have. I went out. We just started yelling at chicks. Dunbar, country, you know, this was his first time to the airport, not even on a plane. When Kahuta went to Australia, it was his first time from Blue Ridge, Georgia, going to the airport. And then Dunbar, uh, you know Dunbar, they're walking down the street like, play it cool, dude, play it cool. I'm like, I'm in a neon fucking blue tracksuit. What do you mean play it cool, dude? I start <laughs> screaming at chicks. <laughs> I see the, the hottest woman that I may have ever seen in my lifetime. And I was like, get it. So I went up to her, started talking to her. They were like, Isaac, quit. Isaac, cut it out. And the cameramen were like, fuck you two. And they started walking toward me. And this chicks just started chatting it up. Apparently, people that are wild and out there and traveling are drawn to one another. And so we started talking and uh, she wrote her number down. We started an actual relationship on the show. And when everybody left, you know, two months, three months later, I stayed in Australia. And basically MTV was like, so, you know, here's your plane flight. And I was like, plane flight? I got a girlfriend here. I got a job here. I have an apartment here. I'm not leaving. And they're like, well, uh, that prevents an insurance uh, liability because under contract, you're still – I was like, listen, do you have security right now? And they're like, 
well, no, not right now. I was like, all right, bye. And so me and her walked off into the sunset, literally lived in Australia for the next six months. We had, I worked at a chicken shop that's like a fancy Boston market in a suburban neighborhood. We had an apartment. We lived with six other Irish guys. One of them used to bring over and swear to God he wasn't gay. That's neither here nor there. But we had a relationship and we dated for almost like, I want to say four years or something after that. Wow. Close to it. And I lived half time in, after we moved from Australia, I lived half time in Ireland because she was from Ireland. And I'm a German Jewish dude from Cleveland. She's a half Kenyan, half Irish Catholic with a father that was priest from Ireland. So if that's not, you know, a worldwide mashup, I don't know what is. But I would live in Ireland. She would live in Cleveland. And then we broke up for about a year. I moved to India and I lived in India and I was in uh, Arambol, which is probably where I'll die if anybody's ever looking for me and I disappear. And I'm chilling at this cafe. And this is back in the day when you actually needed to know how to travel to travel. You didn't just need Google. There was no cell phones. There was no Internet cafes. God, that makes me feel old that I have to say that stuff. But you little whippersnappers got no clue what you're dealing with. And she calls me up and she goes, hey, um, and she was a hard worker, man. She was like, every day I knew her, she was at work, grinding it out, hot as F. And she said, I got an offer to be on a reality TV show. Hadn't been with her for a year, hadn't talked to her for a year. I was like, what is it? She's like, Big Brother UK. And I was like, well, I'm going to tell you what somebody very wise told me when I was young. If you go, they pay your bills, there's a bunch of chicks, there's a fuck ton of beer. You should do it. I didn't really say that, but <laughs> and I was like, honestly, though, because she had eight or nine brothers. Her mother was Kenyan. She had her mother had 40 sisters because 40 sisters and brothers, because in Kenya, you can have multiple wives. But anyway, big family. And she supported a lot of them. So I was like, you know what? You've been working your ass off for so long. This is an opportunity to literally get your bills paid. You can do appearances afterwards, make some money, take a break off work, have fun with life. Whatever they do on Big Brother, never seen it, but it seems like whatever. It's reality TV. You'll get this break from reality where you still get paid probably more than you're making and enjoy yourself. You know, give yourself an excuse, uh, you know, just to have a good life for a little bit. Stop living for everybody else. So she said, okay. Hadn't talked to her for a while. Then I come back to the United States. I forget what happened, but I was living in Cleveland and with like nine dudes, which is weird. But she, I get this call on my cell phone from this reporter from the UK. And you know, they're, first of all, Big Brother in the UK is a big deal. It's like American Idol over here. At least it was at that time. It's not like the real world. It was a huge deal, and I didn't know that. And their paparazzi are not like American reporters. They're the ones that murdered Princess Diana. These people are serious about their jobs. And so one of them calls me and goes, Hi, Isaac, how are you doing today? Hi, uh, your, your friend Maureen Kelly's uh, appearing on Big Brother. And I'm like, cool, yeah, she actually called me about it a while ago, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, we were hoping to get an interview. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm not 100% comfortable with 
you guys because she's told me stories about just how vicious you are. I don't want you twisting my words. I'm not okay with an interview. Next day, different recorder, different reporter from a different magazine calls me up. Isaac, uh, we will offer you 30,000 euro if you have any nude pictures of Noreen Kelly. I was like, how much? They're like 30,000. I said no, okay, because at the time I had morals and I believed in karma. A couple days later, this is the kicker. This effing reporter calls me up from, I think it was Star Magazine. It was whatever the biggest magazine was. And they go, um, we know, because Noreen mentioned it on TV, we know that you guys have a sex tape. And I was like, just out of curiosity, <laughs> what would a sex tape be worth? <laughs> and I shit you not, this woman told me 3.1 million euro. And here's how dumb I am. I said no. I said, you know, there's no amount of euro in the world that'll, you know, protect my karma and me being a good guy. So I told her to screw off. If I would have done it again, I would have called Noreen and said, hey, this lady is offering me a whole shit ton of money. I'll split it with you half and half and you'll get 500,000 euro just for let me release it and my conscience will be clear except for the fact that I offered her 500,000 euro for, you know, but either way. And, uh, so that was a mistake, but my conscience is clear to this day. I have a clean slate. Eventually they keep blowing me up, blowing me up. And I didn't even listen to it. And this is on a, a house phone. So I listen to my messages one day and it's like, Oh yeah, Isaac, how are you? Nice to meet you. Beep. Oh yeah, Isaac. Beep. Oh, Isaac Stout. I'm calling with a beep. And one of them was a producer from Big Brother. And they're like, hey, just so you know, Noreen's been in the house for almost 30 days and you've been broken up for a year. And she says she won't hook up with anyone in the house because she doesn't want to embarrass you on TV. And we would like to fly you out and pay you X amount of dollars. One, three million. I know that. But we want to fly you out and put you on Big Brother if you're willing. I said, dude, that's really effing cool of her. Like, I would love to see her. I would even as friends, like, I would just like to say, what's up? Reconnect. Hang out. And I don't want to be nationalist, but. If you watch British television and British reality TV, they don't pluck the same wild-ass, crazy-ass characters they do in the U.S. It's a little bland, and it's a little just like, eh. You know, you wouldn't know they were on camera other than, like, a gas station security camera. They're just kind of milling around. But yeah, anyway, and, and I don't know if Big Brother is different in, in that regard. You know, I, and I, I don't know if they, they – they, they, I, I believe that the casting directors pluck them that way – because they need to be this like commercial, right? They can't they can't be as fucking crazy as us, or else. But nowadays, I think, I think Americans are just wilder. I think British people are more tame, and the characters that they chose, you could see, were the wildest of the wild. They still had this dude that looked like Jack Sparrow, like Indian guy, and then they had her, which was like a dime piece, and then they had. You know, the other guy. So they had these character differentiations and these different dialogue arches and all this stuff that they wanted to be 
these wild, crazy characters, but they just milled around the house. They didn't provide booze. Big mistake. And I right. Yeah. But anyway, she, she, I was like, yes, this is fun. This is awesome. At the time, me and Kahuta were living in, uh, that was, I drove down to Georgia to build a bar with Kahuta and I was about a week in when they wanted to fly me out. They fly me out and they put me in a hotel and I'm supposed to go in the next morning. They get a call that says, Isaac, you can't go in. There's a problem with your criminal record. And long story short, I have a couple, not even three, felonies. No big deal. It wasn't even my fault. Not even three felonies? What is this, amateur hour? Three. That's what I'm saying. Come on. I'm a douchebag. So, <laughs> you know, I, pet, I meddled in felonies. I just really didn't go all full hardcore. So they said, ah, you can't have, you know, violent felonies and be in this house. I said, oh, I don't fucking violent felonies. This is all a mistake. So they said, show us records. And so I said, okay. I called my buddy Ward. I mean, I called my buddy X. Um, <laughs> I was like, hey, man, they're pulling these felonies off of the Cleveland database. Is there any way you can just Photoshop, hack, do whatever you got to do to make this stuff leave? And he goes, I got you. I need like two, three days. Okay. Wow. Two, three days later, we get an email. The production company gets an email from the Cleveland police department that exonerates me and said they're expunged and the, they never, you know, whatever. And I didn't have a felony record. I had a misdemeanor and I had a DUI, which was okay. Cause the DUIs in Arizona, there was nothing we could do about that. So they say, okay, you know, tomorrow you're going on the show. And at this point I had been in a hotel room. Oh, okay. I know I'm wasting a lot of time by these long ass stories, but I no, we think the they're great. Name. I forget the chick's name. She was the Pamela Anderson of Europe at the time. We can Google it, but just bombshell, fake everything. She was the Pamela Anderson. She was on the front page of every magazine at the time. I don't know how, but she caught wind that I was in London. And she Facebooked me, and we were talking. might even have been MySpace at the time. But we were talking back and forth. I was like, this is bullshit. I just, I just looked you up. I Googled you. You're like a multi-million dollar, like, you know, you're like a really famous person. And I was like, you know, this is some reporter in London because they're so good at what they do. They're trying to catch me up while I'm like about to meet my ex-girlfriend in this hotel room. So I was like, all right, if it's you, send me a naked picture that says, Isaac, I love you with a, you know, written on a piece of paper. And she did. And then she sent me a MySpace. Did you get it? And I was like, it was Ashley or Katie Kelly. I don't know. Something. She said, did you get it? I said, yeah. She goes, come to my hotel room tonight. And the producers say, you know, tomorrow morning, you're going into the big brother house. And I was like, oh, oh, I mean, I had been broken up with her for a year. I really, really deserve this. I've been waiting in this hotel room by myself for like a week. And this is like some once in a lifetime type of stuff. But Isaac Stout, stick to your slate, your clean slate, your karma and your morals like an idiot. And I told her, I can't. I'm going in to do something tomorrow. And I just, you know, whatever excuse I gave. I don't even know because I was probably crying. Um, and <laughs> so I told her no. 
And then I get a call. <laughs> I'm telling you the same night because I was like up late watching Big Brother After Hours because they, they in Big Brother they have one channel that literally plays Big Brother 24 seven, just switches cameras. And the producer calls me and she goes, uh, Isaac, uh, we need to have a conversation. I was like, what? She said, after a month and a half or whatever it had been, the chick that I was dating made out with a dude that night. After all the police checks and the waiting in the hotel room and me turning this chick down, like like two hours after I turned this innocent girl down, she makes out with a dude. And they're like, we 100% understand if you want to go back to America, we'll fly you out tonight. You could go in the house if you want to. We're not going to really, we'll pay you for your time, but we're not going to give you your full ch- paycheck until you go in the house. And if you go in the house, you still have a chance to win a hundred thousand dollars, whatever. I don't know. Whoa. And so I was you like, got a, you got a chance to play the game. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. oh just by your, just by your reaction right there, you're going to be real pissed at the end of this story. Oh my I, I, gosh. I forget you your quit. Parents, man. I forget your Mr. Fucking like lion heart. I'm winning this game. And I'm Mr. Like, you know, where's the, when, when do we get to get out of the sun? Uh, <laughs> I don't like so, being, I don't, listen, I don't like being in the sun either. To be honest with you, like, you know, the sand, I, I don't like it because it irks my feet and it's too hot. The sun is too hot. I don't like to tan. You, I, I you well, drag I, it out from your soul and kill people. And I'm well, like, I, no, this sand is hot. I'm fucking out. But yeah, isn't I'm Big Brother like, indoors and isn't there no sun in the UK? Yes. Both of those are true. Those are facts. We're talking about something else, Scott. Yeah. We're talking is, about the is, beach. This is the difference between Isaac and Derek as challengers. Derek is like, I'm in a pit of fire, and I will eat my own soul before letting you gain an inch on this rope. And I'm like, uh, it's a little chilly. I like to go inside right now. Yeah, I opt out. I don't give a fuck. I'm not into it. Yeah, but to, yeah, but to go in a game with like people that I don't know and just just to fuck around and see what happens, like I I, th- I think that there's something to that too, and like meeting new people and see how much I can stir it up, and you know, it, it, you know how how much how much of a chunk I could take out of this this little fucking game I'm about to play. Is, there's something appealing to that too, you know? No, I I know exactly that personality <laughs> type. I know you. I'm just saying for me. I like to go find like a cool sofa, maybe even some Wi-Fi access and like collect a paycheck and then like. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's cut to the chase. All right. I want to talk about, I want to talk about how you went in there and you found this guy. I want to know you go in there, you find this guy that made out with your girl and then right in front of him, you saw that picture online. That's possible. I don't remember that part. I don't think, I don't know. I think we're getting there. But, but what happened was basically I realized that she was. You know, this was happening, so I was like, fuck it. I'll go in the house. And again, she's not cheating on me. We haven't talked in a year. Yes. <laughs> and so I go in the house, and I tell the producers, this would be funny. Let me dress like a like a, like a a London chip, fish and chips delivery man. And they were like, what? And I was like, come on. I know you guys got the resources. I want like a leather suit, and I want a motorcycle helmet with a faded mask so they can't see my face till I get in Nice. Nice. And so I walk in the door and I'm like, fish and chips. Who, anybody order fish and chips? And everybody starts like flooding to the door and they're like, oh shit, did somebody order fish and chips? And then somebody else is like, <laughs> wait a second, can we order food in here? And everyone's like looking around and then I look at her 
and I just see her. I mean, she's a mixed black girl, and she went white. And I pulled up my mask, and she just went, oh, and, like, dropped. And I was like, ha-ha. And I said, I said, I think I I don't remember it, but apparently I said, Daddy's home, which is real, real corny and stupid. But when I left the house, there were people outside with signs and T-shirt that said, Daddy's home. They loved wow. that. So yeah. anyway, I didn't care. I, the guy was, like, trying to make some TV drama about it. But he was this little – he's the one that looked like Jack Sperry. He's this Indian dude. And she kissed me on the mouth, and I went, why does it – why do you taste like curry? And oh. they immediately said, uh, Isaac, if you could report to the Big Brother confessional room. And this is not like MTV. You can't just say stuff. They're, like, sensitive. And they call me in the confessional, and they're like, Isaac, we realize you're from a different culture, but uh, just uh, the curry comment was a little bit blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, we're in wow. for it. We're really in for it. So the night that I get in there, I, we, me and her have this, like, meaningful talk, and it was great. And we're, like, really getting along. And we had uh, – I'm not going to say we had intercourse in the bathtub under the bubbles because that would just be really blowing her spot up. But we had intercourse in the bathtub under the bubbles. <laughs> And this whole time, this Indian dude's running around like, oh, I'm going to get Isaac. And I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) So that night, like Big Brother's different because the the public is the one that votes for them. Mm. So like the castmates can say, oh, you know, these people are going into elimination. But then it's like American Idol. Everyone texts in and they say who they want to kick out of the house. So, A, there's no beer in there. B, these people are weak. There is nothing to do and you're locked in this house and see before going in the house because it was like, you know, the falsified criminal records and uh, <laughs> from the U.S. and all that little mundane bullshit. They go, just so you know, no Americans ever won the show because it's basically a popularity contest between nations. Even if they don't like the character, you know, Wales versus against, you know, whatever, Scotland and Ireland, if the people are from that region, that's who calls in to vote for them. So, A, you're probably not going to win. Even if you did win, legally, we can't pay you because you're not on a work visa. We just flew you out overnight. What? And I was like, okay. So I'm like, all right. So um, so me and her are doing our thing. That night, the same night I'm in there that I got in the house, I got there that morning, we all sit on the couch, and Noreen, and oh, shit, I went this whole time without saying her damn name, but the chick ex- you said her name. You yeah, said her you, name. You had twice. said her name. You said her you full slept. name earlier. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Okay. It was when you, when you were calling yourself on behalf of the press who wanted the photos or whatever. Uh, you, you dropped the name. Yeah, but anyone who watched the show knows this. It's Googleable. It's and, this is, and, and, and to be All honest right. with you, like, and Scott, this is like right up your alley, right? Like when we talk challenge talk, you know, we talk, we talk about the, the producers as challenge gods and casting directors as challenge gods, essentially. No, I'm loving every so, second of this. So, this is great. So this, and this is the stuff that I can sort of like tinker into too, because I just started watching Big Brother because the challenge is down right now, you know, um, challenge isn't on. So it's just funny how. You know, he talks about, you know, the, the, the big brother gods, you know, feeding, you know, how they're, they're, they're feeding him this information and saying, yo, you can't talk like that. And when, you know, right now there's all this, all these, uh, I don't know, I'm just reading a little bit of, of the big brother stuff, uh, online and they're, everyone's pissed and up in arms that 
the live feeds are, are showing some of these characters in a, in a very negative light. And they're not playing that on the big show. They're not playing it in mainstream, you know, and, and I think they're, you know, they're being kind of cautious, um, in, in that respect, you know, to, so, you know, just based on some of the things you said, but you know, they definitely want the hookups, you know, and like they literally called him in to hook up with her. Uh, but the, but my many, my, my question is, is like, there's American people or uh, on Big Brother UK? Like that's no, that's a was, thing. There, there was like one or two that happened to be travelers that caught got caught up in the history of it, but there was really no Americans. Um, but th- that was just their their prerequisite of why you know I'm fucked pretty much. There's but explain no the the other thing about so they were saying basically we we said that we would pay you. That's how we got you out here. But now that you're here, hate to break it to you, no, no, we no. can't pay you. They gave me they were they were able to give me a small paycheck for my time, but they were saying that the whole I don't know if it was a hundred thousand dollars or whatever the pot is. The lawyer told me, you know, there is no way that we can pay you that amount of money without a work visa. Got you know, it. Or whatever. So sort of like so, how you okay. can't win like certain states. If you're from a certain state, you can't you can't win a lottery. Yeah, you, you know, can't kind of deal. Semantics. But either yeah. way, and it's international law. I don't know. I haven't been to law school in seven years. But we. <laughs> so now you're a loaded the, gun with nothing to lose whatsoever. Right. Exactly, and that's pretty much my lifestyle. But we go to the. End of the, you know, the thing. Everybody dresses up all fancy. You're on, like, the live stream of all Europe, and everybody's voting. And Noreen gets voted out of the house. And I think, I mean, don't quote me, but I think the main reason was because she was a bitch. And I think not, that's not my words, literally. I think the main text that came in is, she's a bitch. And so nobody liked her. And so she got voted out of the house. And I was like, Ah, well, that was fun. Uh, can I get my stuff? And they're like, uh, Isaac, uh, please report to the big brother, blah, blah, blah thing. And I sit in this big oversized chair, Alice in Wonderland looking thing. So is it like getting called to the principal's office? Does this happen on real big brother? Yeah. Like, oh, there it goes. I said, get called to the principal's office. Oh, I wonder what the big brother gods want to talk to him about. And then no one knows what they're talking to you about. Is that? Oh, I think with me, everyone knew every single time because I would say something extremely out of line. And then, you know, all the other cast members are like, ooh. And then you got to go sit in this demeaning chair that is twice the size of you and stare at this thing. And they're like, Isaac, why get your uh, items? What were you referring to? And I was like, you know, like my bags and my all my stuff from the hotel room. I'm leaving. And they're like, uh, by leaving, you mean like, uh, and I was like, you know what I mean? I'm leaving. Give me my bags. Give me my shit. I'm going. If Noreen's not here, I got no business in the house with these Yoko's. But they're, but they're like, but they're like, Isaac, Isaac, please, you need to understand. You, you, you did exactly what we wanted you to do. You, you you hooked up with the girl. You still haven't beaten up the guy yet. Can you please finish him beating up, beating up the guy and then leave? Real quick. And then we don't have to pay you either. You've said racist comments. You've said horribly offensive things. You hooked up with a chick and it's been like (laughs) seven hours. And I was like, yeah. Seven? She got voted off the next day? No, no. I got there this morning. This is that night. And so this is literally seven hours later. And I was like, no, 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 just get my stuff. And they go, can, can you hold on? Like the, 
the, the God big brother, the lady that's like the force of nature, like you will do as I'll command. Jackie was like, Chan? Um, Jackie Chan? Scott, huh? is her name Jackie Chan? No, her name know. is not Jackie Chen, you racist motherfucker. It is Julie Chen, and that is in America. They have a separate person. <laughs> Go ahead, Isaac. So this lady, who's usually like this dominant figure, is literally stuttering like, uh. I didn't know um, her name, for the record. I was close, dude. It's I Julie Chen. It could have been know. Jackie. It could have been Jackie. I thought the chick's name was Big Brother. I got, I got Toby Keith and, and Toby McGuire mixed up last week. I get There happens to be a very famous Asian actor named Jackie Chan. I knew her name started with a J and ended with a Chen. Doesn't even ring a bell. Never heard of him. Okay. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Go ahead, Isaac. Continue. Okay. So she's like, "Uh, Isaac, uh, uh, give me a second. And she goes and regroups while I'm sitting in this around like an idiot. And she comes back and says, would like to you to request to um, maybe sleep on it? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, give me my shit. I'm going. Give me my <laughs> shit and my check and I'm going. And they're like, ah, uh, and then they're like, all right. And then it took like four hours. And then somebody comes and knocks on the door. This producer comes in, tries to talk to me on a couch, like talk me into staying. I was like, no, get out of my face. No. This other producer comes in, this chick, like they thought a girl would do something. And finally, they give me my bags, and I leave. And you walk out of this, like, trailer. And I'm telling you, it was probably 1 or 2 in the morning at that point. And there was people cheering. There was, like, a crowd. There was all these signs. And they're, you know, daddy. They were chanting uh, whatever I said, daddy's home, which is really corny and stupid. But when anyone chants anything you say, it's really fulfilling. So anyway, I leave. And... Then I sit in this waiting room forever, and they're doing the live show of her on her exit interview, and, you know, it's, like, live. I don't know if it's live, but it's the big audience thing where they got the lights and the neons and everyone's dressed up. And they're like, well, uh, Noreen, we got a surprise for you, but Isaac left the house as well. And so she's flipping out. I go on that show. The judges – one of the – the lady judge loved me. And the man judge was like, oh, I think you're just an arrogant person from the U.S. trying to take over. Regardless, I won best character of the season. Wow. And I was there for 11 and a half hours. (laughs) Wow. And they called me in in Georgia when I was in Georgia at the time. And they're like, hey, you won best character this season. you got to fly back out. But I had a bad experience. I mean, those judges are like Simon Cowell. They just want to get on you. They just want to make you look stupid. So I told them I'm not flying back out just to do this little exit, give me my award thing. So I didn't. Um, so I don't have any footage of that. But the best part of the whole experience was when – and me and her, we hung out in London. You know, I re, re, We reconnected. We ran around. We did a bunch of traveling. It was really fun. We didn't end up getting back together like that, but we, she's still a good friend. And, uh, she's actually gave birth a little bit, I think like six months after that and married a dude that looked exactly like me. So that's still up in the air. But when I was leaving London, wait a minute, if she gave birth six months after that, wouldn't that I'm be? Kidding. I was kidding. I was joking. <laughs> all right. I wasn't joking at all. But when I was leaving London, I was in the airport 
oh my God, actually, this is two different things. So as I'm leaving the airport, I look in, you know, whatever thing I'm buying, my Snickers or whatever I was buying in a little convenience store, and they have the magazines right there. And I look to my right, and there's my face on the front of a magazine, and it says, Isaac's gay. (laughs) (laughs) And so obviously, I was like, uh, I'll take every copy that you have, please. (laughs) I bought all the copies. And I'm sorting through it. And, of course, I left Georgia to go to the U.K. And I left my laptop open with my Facebook open. So my favorite book was 12-inch double-fisted dildo. And because all my friends have been on my Facebook. Favorite movies, Brokeback Mountain. And so I'm reading my Facebook page by the pictures in a magazine that the reporters had found because my friends are jacking off on my Facebook at home. I get on the plane. And this is going to – I'm capping off this story real soon here. This is the end of it. But I'm sitting on the plane at Heathrow ready to leave. And just as the plane leaves, the police come on the plane, not just casually, but with guns drawn at my face. Not normal in the U.K. where they're not fans of guns. So I'm like, okay, this seems par for what the fuck's been going on. And they grab me, they handcuff me on the plane, put me, lay me down in the aisle, handcuff me, pick me up by my my armpits or whatever, drag me into the belly of the interview room in London Heathrow and start interrogating me. What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. All this other shit. And I'm like, guys, I mean, I got paperwork. I got this, that, and the other. I don't know what's going on. They started saying, I was like, what, do I have any plans of terrorism? Any of this or any of that? And I was like, I honestly don't know what's going on. And then somebody comes in with my bag, drops it on the table, and pulls out, you know what? I just made a life circular connection. This is intriguing for the first time on the Challenge Mania podcast. I just put two two and two together in a full circular cyclical coincidence of life. So you remember the story where I told you I met Noreen? When I was wearing a blue jumpsuit, yeah, and I said skull belt buckle, but if you actually watch the episode, I was I buckled up my belt buckle, which was a grenade. It was a metal half grenade, and it's on the episode. They like play music, and it's like, and I like click on the grenade. Let's head out to get bitches. That's how I met her. I'm in the middle of London Heathrow Airport. He drops my bag on the table, and he pulls out a half a grenade belt buckle. And he said, sorry, uh, the x-ray must have picked this up as a grenade. We thought you had a grenade under the plane. And I was like, come on. It's a half a metal grenade. You know damn well that's not a grenade. And so they go, ah, so you're good to go. But so how was it in that house? And I was like, oh, hell no. So then we just bullshitted with the police for like 20, 30 minutes about the the you know big brother house because that's all they wanted to talk about that's the only reason they detained me and then an hour and a half hour 45 minutes later they bring me back on the plane because they had held the plane the whole time and i took off and if you have never been looked at awkward in your life try to get tackled at gunpoint handcuffed dragged off a plane and then just put back in your seat and you know wave by and i'm just looking around like Hey guys, uh, this isn't going to be an awkward eight hours. Let's take off. And so that was the end of me and Noreen. And, uh, that was the end of, uh, 
I guess, the circular belt of the grenade belt buckle. That was the buckle. That's what put the whole belt together. I just realized it. Synchronicities, my good man. So what else are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Isaac. What do you want to talk about? That's the important thing, but we'll get to that. What I do want to talk about for a second is Noom. Getting in shape isn't just about losing weight. It's about learning healthier habits and feeling better about yourself, whether that's more stamina to keep up with your busy life, finally getting into those gold jeans or those gold shorts, I guess, because it's summer, being more in tune with your body's needs or practicing more self-care. What if you could use one program for all your health and weight loss needs? It sounds good to me. No more hunting for training apps, workouts, or calorie trackers, meal plans. Nobody wants to do math, am I right? Plus, add a goal specialist and a community of members to keep you motivated and accountable. It's like a workout bestie all in one place. It's like my workout, Derek. Derek, it's like your workout, Scott. I'll tell you what, I would really like to get myself in order because summer's almost halfway over and I have not been to the beach enough. I have not been to the pool enough and maybe it's because I'm not feeling great about myself. I wish I was able to make healthier choices and Noom can help me do that. My self-worth, a better mood, all that stuff will improve. Control stress, anxiety, all this stuff. Noom is a habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and arms you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. Sounds good to me. They say it's based on cognitive behavioral approach. I just say it works. Am I right, Isaac? Am I right, D? Noom's not a diet. It's a healthy and easy to stick to way of life. No food is good, bad, off limits. I love the sound of that. You heard us talking about ice cream in the last podcast with Tova. Noom teaches moderation and can be used in conjunction with many pre-existing popular diets. If you want, if you're on the keto, if you're on the Atkins, whatever you want to be on, Noom works with it. One of the biggest and most accurate food databases available that lets you track meal habits, visualize portion sizes, that's what I need, and see calorie density at a glance. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash mania. That's for us. What do you have to lose? Visit N-O-O-M dot com slash mania and start your trial today. The summer's not over, folks. You can start it today. Noom.com slash mania, the last weight loss program you'll ever need. All right, Isaac, now what do you want to talk about next? This is insane because I, I will say that this podcast, we're going on an hour here and literally all we've gotten, and this is fantastic. I no may, way mean this to be a slide. We got your casting story, which every so often I say that's the best casting story I've ever heard. That one you told my friend about having to skip going to jail and ran around. I, I don't condone chain smoking for the purpose of disguising yourself as having asthma, but regardless, that is the greatest story I've ever heard, my friend. And then the big brother. Other thing, which we got a lot of people who wanted to hear about your time on Big Brother, I knew that it was kind of a footnote in your reality TV career. You literally spent a day there. That to me is like the best one day story of a stint on reality TV I've ever heard. So an hour in, I think people have gotten their money's worth. However, we do have the challenge to talk about. This is challenge mania, so we should probably get to that. Before we get to specific questions about it, I'll say – Talk about that show because, like, we, we, we heard about, you know, your thoughts about the real world, your thought about Big Brother. Does a story that you want to tell jump out at you as kind of summarizing your two seasons on the challenge? Yeah, and did you did you also get hit with shit somewhere along the lines in that tornado? And is the yellow brick road actually yellow? Yes, exactly. Those two things. 
That's the second time you've mentioned the yellow brick road being yellow. I'm not sure I'm getting the inference or the metaphor. <laughs> was it? I'm, I'm asking, was it cool, man? It was it nice and shiny? Nothing. And did it lead you to a fucking cool place? Uh, was it a, was it was was the road cool or not? You know what I mean? Was it weird, mysterious? Was it intriguing? Was no. it colorful? That's what I'm getting at. Honestly, the challenges were a huge letdown for me because a when I was on the real world, you know, I got off the real world, and when you get off the real world, a bunch of real worlders from the past will call you, and some of them befriend you just because they're being nice and they're like, oh, we're a family. And some of them you can tell are just strategically trying to get you on their side because they know you're going on challenges. <laughs> I didn't notice at the time, but everyone's telling me, dude, the challenge is, and again, we're referencing, referring to chronologically Isaac at 20, you know, boner head. They're like, it's an orgy. It's pretty much, they turn the cameras on, they do some competitions, but you go back in that house and it's boobs and it's women running around and people are, you know, in the pool just you know, harem. It's awesome. And so I'm pumped. I'm like, these challenges are going to be legit. And I trained, you know, <laughs> I ran. Now I did smoke Newports while I was running, but I ran. <laughs> um, no, no slights to Iran. I know it's not a political show, but I got to the challenge and there was a couple weird experiences I had, but it's not like the real world. The real world is just be you be you times a hundred if you want. If we catch you doing dumb shit, drunk shit, we'll put it on TV. That's the only thing you have to worry about. But as long as you just do whatever you want to do, I never felt like I was edited in a bad light. I think the people that are always like, oh my God, they always just, I hate them because they edit me so bad. I'm like, no, you just have no self-awareness and everyone around you knows that you're an asshole all the time, except for you. And apparently <laughs> cameras can pick that up. Who the fuck it? They're just recording real life. Yeah, they edit you into a more cohesive, concise douchebag, but you're, as a whole, a very widespread douchebag all the time. Yeah, and I hey, do that. Yeah, you hey, know? bro, you know that dumb shit that you, that came out of your mouth like 25 times and they decided to put it on camera one time and you're pissed about it? Yeah, you, it came out of your mouth, bro. No one else is. Okay, I'm not. I I told you I'm not going to talk shit about any one person, but I can say this because no. Dunbar is my very good friend, <laughs> and I've told this to his face a thousand times. But when we were first getting used to the real world interviews, I was up there like trying to politically position and strategically. I was so scared that they were just going to get me mentally and put me out there as some kind of monster that I wasn't. And Dunbar, you know Dunbar. Dunbar don't give a shit. He's just like, whatever the fuck, as long as I'm right, I don't give a shit. And so he comes down from an interview just happy-go-lucky. Can't even believe how happy he is. And I'm, that's my first red flag. I'm like, dude, that makes me nervous. Why is Dunbar happy? This is weird. And so he's like, yeah, I just crushed that interview. You wouldn't believe it. They were all on my nuts. Those weren't his exact words. Those are just, I'm prefacing. So he says, I was like, so... What what makes you think you crushed it? He's like, just everything I said, they ate it up. And I'm second red flag, like, ooh, they're not going to just be interested in how awesome you are. Like, you effed up somehow. I was like, did by any chance, because she did this to me earlier today, do they give you, like, a super compliment and then, like, get you talking on one thing and then kind of juke at you and say something a little bit insulting 
and then get you defensive and then give you another compliment that's geared toward like a subject, kind of like a sandwich. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they did. And I was like, what did you say? He said, fuck. I said I'd hold a girl's head underwater till the bubble stopped. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Dunbar. Yeah. You got to stop I, doing I, that. I got, I got actually, um, I've only done one, one or two challenges with Dunbar. And uh, I, I believe I remember him telling me that they had to get him, tell him to like ease back on the, com- like those kinds of like comments, like yeah. say that stuff anymore. And, and and I, and I had a similar question. I was like, well, what the fuck did you say? And it was oh. like, it was like crazy, like sick. He'll scare you. He'll yeah, scare you. But personally, I've never, you know, he's never like talked that way to me or I've never right. really like heard him talk that way, you know, around people. Um, but I guess, you know, you get one on one in the interview chair and they get you going. You're right, man. You, They'll rile you up. They'll spin you up and then give you a compliment and then they'll just gear you how they want. Because you got to remember, these people are trained psychologists and they have two or three hours to prepare with every second of your life, including the highlights that they want you to talk about to come up with a map and a strategy of how to get your personal character, you know, personality type to talk about that stuff. And it might be a two or three piece chess move, but they'll fucking get you. <laughs> and the thing I just want to, I just want to real quick say that in all fairness, it is a 50, 50 thing. Dunbar is actually a bit of a psychopath. Now he's one of my best friends in the world. We live together. We've lived together for a long time and he's a badass dude. And he is actually extremely intelligent. He's even keeled, but He's so up and down, ebb and flow, that if you do just cut off his psychotic moments and piece them together, he's a nut job. Everything has an ebb and flow sound, music. In a median, he's a badass motherfucker, but if, if you wanted to, if you want to edit him, you can. Whereas I just try to stay in the center all the time, like, no. You're not getting one sound bite from me, buddy. And you and I don't and I don't think they've ever edited him or pulled those types of sound bites to make him look like this psychopath killer. Well, I think the reason they don't do that is because as is as, as creepy as it might be, and you might like it might like be fun to share with people at a cocktail party, it just doesn't play well on national TV to air a guy saying he's gonna drown a woman. Well you know? and, and Well they and, certainly played it. They did? They aired that clip? Yeah, he was on TV saying, I'm going to hold her head underwater until the bubbles stop. Who was he talking about? Well, there's, mean, o- there's only a few girls. choice? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I, I'd imagine I didn't see that happening on the channel, so I figured probably, it was real world. Probably Maybe Ashley. it was a metaphor. Probably Ashley. Mm. Him and Ashley got into it. I mean, it was weird. But again, most of the time he's all right. But if you just don't watch yourself, you know, then they'll, they will get you. But... It's not like, you know, it's real. It's TV. They film your whole life and then they can literally only air in a time span 0.01% of what they filmed. So whatever you give them that's entertaining, good or bad, they're going to use it. But it's not like they use CGI. You did that and you said that. So deal with it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't make it up. You did it. Now you can do a bunch of good shit and go hang out with the Dalai Lama for 20 days. That's not going on TV. The bubble stop thing is going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, now it's water under the bridge and uh, a woman's head under the water. water under the and now he's a politician, I thought. Do you still talk? Oh. I, Wait, he's a politician? I, listen, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him on social media in a long time. But the last time, like, I disappeared from social media uh, uh, for, for a long time. And when I disappeared, the last, like, face that I saw him with on Twitter was him in, like, a suit and a tie you know, talking about politics on a daily, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, so, but I haven't seen him since on social media since my disappearance. So, so, so. what was that really that Derek saw? He's not really a politician, is he, Isaac? Yeah, he is. Dude, I would not doubt it for one half of a second. That would be his dream. He was always talking about Blackwater this, Blackwater that. I don't even know what the hell that is. He's always been super into politics, and he's very, very, you know, he's Dunbar. He's very opinionated about stuff, and honestly— the way that I'm not getting into politics, but the way politics is, the squeaky wheel gets the attention, you know. So yes. if he's as as charismatic and dramatic about politics, there's probably a shit ton of people that'll listen regardless of what yeah. he's saying. We're not going to get into politics, but that right. would be a great I platform. That I honestly, that could be a campaign slogan. Vote for me and I will hold whoever you want underwater until the <laughs> bubbles stop. Um, I feel like we just started a smear campaign. You got to stop it. So you guys again. are good you friends, though. Do you, do you know where he's at today? Like, do you know what he's doing no. today? No honestly, idea. Honestly, no. We wow. live together. In Atlanta, we lived together. When me and Kahuta built the bar in Athens, he lived in our house, and we were literally friends uh, for a long time. And just he just up and moved one day, and I haven't heard from him in probably five or six years. Wow. Yeah, he's he's gone, man. He's definitely gone. Um, people are asking us. They're like, uh, when we saw when when they saw that we announced Isaac, people were like, "Hey, how about we keep this Sydney thing going? What about Dunbar?" So to those people who are holding out hope, sounds like. He's unreachable. Sorry. He's not now. He's on a campaign, actually. He's going through North Carolina this month. Uh, Republican Party. Uh, I'm just kidding. But I wouldn't be surprised if you were close. Though. Tune into if the debates. If a Republican, if you framed it as a campaign stop, I'm sure you can bring him out of the woodworks. Yo, could you go. imagine? Could you imagine if, like, like, uh, like a couple months from now, they're like, "Oh my gosh!" There, there's like a picture of like Dunbar, like behind like a the Republican or Democratic Party somewhere. Yeah, I we mean, found him. Well, it, it's oh. not that. It's not that crazy. I mean, Sean Duffy is literally not only is he a member of Congress, but he's out. He's like one of the most clipped members of Congress these days. I feel like I see him. He shows up in my Twitter feed. Somebody retweeting something he said once a week now. And this is a guy who was on Real World, was it Boston, and did the challenge, met his wife on the challenge, and now he's just a, a regular lunatic. Anyway, okay, so uh, let's get to some specific questions about the challenge. This is what people do. They write in questions. They care very deeply about this, Isaac. I know that, okay. that you might not care as much or you might not be able to remember <laughs> the specific scenarios, but I'm going to ask you to try to remember. This is something that's come up several times on this show. Um, Mike says, we know that Real World Sydney was supposed to have a team on Battle of the Seasons. Something caused you guys to be sent home and be replaced by a fresh meat team. Can you say anything about what happened? If there's anyone who's going to spill the beans, it's you. What happened? Oh, I'll tell you what happened. It was bullshit. Here's what happened. So uh, they picked... Okay, we're we're gonna get into some challenge shit then, if that's where the direction we're going. Yeah. So they picked me, Dunbar, uh, Kellyanne, Kellyanne, and Ashley. Kellyanne was a at the time she was like, you know, fit. That girl was into fit life. 
crushing it. Ashley at the time was crushing it. Dunbar's always been in shape. He's always been a bulldog. And I was training for a jujitsu tournament that was 15 pounds over my weight class. So I was sitting at I'm nor, my normal weight with no fat. I'm about 185. If I'm training, I'm, you know, 190 or something. I was supposed to be in a 210-pound weight class in a jiu-jitsu tournament, and I was 210 pounds ripped to shreds. I was as big of a beast as I've ever been in my life. And they they say, you want to go on turkey? We say, yes, we're going to fucking turkey. We're about to turkey. I'm about to eat turkey, mashed potatoes, and gravy. And so we get out there, get in the airport. Everybody's having a good time, as you do on the challenge. Everybody's, you know... Hey, what's up? Haven't seen you in forever. They take us from the airport to what is supposed to be the house. After, keep in mind, we flew to Turkey. So this is 10 hours later. Everybody's tired. Everybody's pissed off and halfway drunk. And we go to, instead of the hotel, we have to pull over the side of the road and go to this restaurant. This restaurant in Turkey is this little mom and pop shop that's closed and they get them to open it up, but there's no food. There's barely lights and we have to sit there. People are sleeping on benches and on cement outside of it. And there's nothing to do for like two, three hours. No producers are telling us what's happening. Nothing's happening. And we're like, uh, you know, we're drinking in the airport. We're drinking on the plane. Like it's been, you know, 14 hours now. Can we go into the house? Uh, can't go into the house yet. This, that, and the other. So then they take us to like this hotel and they put us in these vans and we're sitting in the vans for another whatever hours. And everyone's kind of rustling, freaking out, but nobody's getting real rowdy because everybody's passing out. And so finally they say, all right, uh, you know, I don't know what they did with the other people, but they say Dunbar Isaac, blah, 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 come with us. And I'm not going to name the producer's name because I really effing love him. We just call him Challenge Gods, Challenge Gods. One of the challenge guys, but he was really one of the cool-ass ones, pulls us in this hotel room, and there's two rooms adjoining each other. And we're me, Dunbar, Kellyanne, and Ashley are sitting in there, and we're like, what the fuck is going on? Because nobody told us anything at all, like at all. And I'm like, I don't know. This is like one of my – I think it was my second challenge. I was like, I don't know. I guess they're just unorganized. They don't know what's going on. So they sit us down and they go, listen, we got a call from uh, the lawyers in New York, and one of your team members didn't pass the health exam, so we can't let them on, and because we can't let them on, we can't let your whole team on. And so then they just put us back in this room. And Dunbar flips shit because, you know, that he just planned them. He had already planned a mortgage. Oh, let me let me uh, take a step back. While we were in the airport in Turkey, a lot of people don't know this. One of the elder challenge member teams come up to us and go, listen, everyone here has got a couple studs and a few sloppy asses. And you guys are ripping and a tearing. So we think we're winning. Before ever getting taken to this hotel room, and Dunbar is steaming. He's burning holes in the carpet, walking circles. Fuck this, fuck that. Who the fuck was it? Who failed their health exam? And Kellyanne's breaking down crying because she thought she had like a heart condition, like a murmur or something when she was younger, which apparently she doesn't even have anymore. 
And she's like, it was me. It was me. You know, I have this heart condition. I know it was me. Ashton's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I could be dehydrated. I, nobody knew because they don't tell us what the condition was. But apparently somebody in the room's dying. And I was like, it ain't fucking me. Look at me. I'm a goddamn, you know, I look like a Greek statue. And so then they pull us in one by one because I was the one that spoke out and was like, listen, you can't just fly people to another country and tell them somebody's dying, but it's a secret. Now sit in a, you know, a cage. I was like, uh, they pulled us in one by one. And this producer says, Isaac, it's you. And I went, what do you mean? It's me. He goes, you're the one that the, the lawyer said didn't pass their health exam. And I was like, but I took my health exam like two months ago. If I didn't pass it, why am I here? And he's like, honestly, I work for uh, Buna Murray, and it's really not, it's not, I'm not allowed to divulge medical information. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that I'm dying, but you're legally not allowed to tell me my medical history of why I'm dying, but you are going to send me home. And he's like, I can't. As soon as you get home, you can talk to the doctor and figure out what's wrong. I was like, yeah, motherfucker. Big Easy had a literally the last challenge, had a fucking heart attack on the beach, had a heart attack, like on TV, had a heart attack. <laughs> so what's wrong with me? He had a cardiac fucking arrest. What's wrong with me? I can't divulge that information. Well, let's talk about the serious issue then. Are we getting the paycheck? And he's like, yeah, we'll pay you for the paycheck. And because they filmed going out of the airport, they had to give us on-camera paychecks like we showed up. So I was like, well, fuck it then. Okay. So they gave me the full paycheck. I was like, all right, I'm cool with that. I fucked around in Turkey, you know, backpacked a little bit. Me and Dunbar hung out at a couple of sea places. Kellyanne backpacked in Turkey. Dunbar was livid. He's, I don't think he's ever forgiven me to this day because I had this phantom illness. But after I got home from Turkey... You know, I had fun and I wanted to hang around, but in the back of my mind, something is so wrong with me that they kicked me off the challenge and sent me home after paying me. And you know, you know, Murray and MTV are not just going to let go of a paycheck like that. There was something officially wrong if they're going to pay me and still not let me on TV and eat that and then spend the extra 50 grand to have another team flown out and pay them paychecks the whole time. So I get back to the U.S., I go to the exact doctor in Atlanta that I went to, and I was like, you know, just just give it to me, doctor. Like, just tell me what it is. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. I just need to know. And she's like, what the – what are you talking about? And I was like, well, they sent me home because the, they said the doctor said that there was something wrong with me. She's like, honestly, I don't know if you saw another doctor, but everything I have on you is fine. There is nothing wrong with you whatsoever. I mean, the day that you took your exam, your heart rate was perfect. We had you run on a damn treadmill. Your heart rate stayed perfect. Like, there's nothing wrong with you at all. Toxicology levels, everything was fine. And so to this day, there has been no explanation. There is a conspiracy. There has been no explanation from anyone. Buna Murray, MTV, no one of why we were kicked off that challenge. <clears throat> of course, because of that, everybody wants to make up weird-ass stories but that's the legit lowdown story. And, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, just as a side note, 
Guess who replaced our team on that challenge? I was just about to ask. Big Easy and his shit. Well, who who else? Who else? I don't know. I just know I was so pissed off because I was like, the motherfucker had a cardiac <laughs> arrest and he replaced me, and I got nothing wrong with me. Well, well I, I think from my recollection, there there's some mainstays that 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 stuck around and became close to the the faces of the franchise, if not the faces of the franchise, for years to come. Scott, I mean, was that was that a uh, Cara and Camilla? Scott, that those replacements, Cara, Camilla, Big Easy, and 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 who else? I think it's that they wanted to just find a way to get Big Easy on that challenge. I think they knew that he was money, that he was just a heartbeat away from having a championship, and yeah. they said anything we can do. Uh, heartbeat um, away from what? A total fucking cardiac arrest. Like, yeah. Heart yeah, was, was a fun choice of words for that one. No, I know. I think I, you did that on purpose. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> The it was Brandon actually. So Brandon, ah. who we'll see in a couple weeks at uh, Challenge Mania Live Las Vegas. Brandon Nelson. Brandon Nelson, get yeah. your tickets at okay. ChallengeMania.Vegas. Here's the thing, though. So you got told that you were the one responsible for this. Did you then tell Dunbar and Kellyanne and your team that you knew it was you at this point, or were you just playing it cool? So not if I'm if I'm calling a spade a spade and being completely honest, I did not tell them exactly at that moment in that hotel room and the reason being because a i felt very uh, scared i'm not gonna lie i felt scared i thought i was dying and b dunbar literally was about to set a fire in a path on the carpet that he was walking and he was just fucking fuming and i was like i don't want to fight it out with dunbar especially because of my heart condition you know and so (laughs) i i didn't tell him for like a day and we were there still in this, like, nice nice hotel, so props to them for that. But we were there for, like, two or three days, and, like, the second or third day at, like, breakfast or something, I sat everybody down and I goes, guys, I know I've been playing the, oh, it could be anyone game for a little bit, but, uh, you know, I got to come clean. It was me. I don't know what was wrong. I really swear on my life. I had no prior knowledge of any medical condition. This is new to me, so I am a little bit freaked out, but I apologize that – it's my fault that everybody's getting sent home. And Dunbar was pissed. All the girls were like, oh, my God, are you going to die? And I was like, probably seems like it from what MTV says, but whatever. I'll survive even if I die, you know. The Challenge Mania shop is open. Head over to challengemania.shop today for the best way to support the podcast while looking good doing it. New designs and items added every few weeks. Maniacs, time to mobilize. Check out challengemania.shop today. Um, where are you based these days, Isaac? I'm not. I'm a vagrant. Okay. Where do you most often, uh, c- crash? Uh, right there. Oh, we're not doing video. There's a couch right I there. saw it. I saw it's, it. Uh, it's, I, I live between basically Cleveland and, uh, Atlanta and sometimes California uh, but mostly I stay overseas. And it's funny. The only time I sleep in a bed is when I'm not in America, which is about three quarters of the time, half the time. 
Interesting. Okay. Well, um, I asked because we do these, uh, we do these challenge mania live shows across the country. And when we come to one of those places you just named, so when we come to Atlanta or Cleveland or California or overseas, we'll let you know because your stories are tailor made for these comedy clubs we do these shows in. Cause honestly, like when I'm sitting here listening to that story about Big Brother, I'm just like, this is like an hour long comedy set. This is hysterical. Oh, well, thanks, man. Um, I don't want to let you go, though, without finding out what you're doing these days in this company you started with, Kahuta, the travel company, this other bucket list thing. Is it the same thing? Uh, yeah, it's basically all one and the same. And like what I said, I'm a vagrant. I don't want people to think I'm a homeless person, you know, just because I'm a homeless person or whatever. No. But I started when me and Kahuta left the real world again. First time he's ever been to the airport. Blue Ridge, Georgia, the most country man you could ever meet. I had already traveled a lot. My family's big into traveling and backpacking and stuff like that. So I've been, you know, first time to China when I was 10 years old. I've been traveling a lot. And when we were on the real world, it's funny because our job, quote unquote, was travel agents for Kentucky Travel. That was our thing that we were supposed to do on the real world. And we did it. There was like a competition of who could create this amazing tour of Sydney and, uh, you know, we we're on opposite teams, me and Kahuta. And of course I won. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but honk, honk, you know, and the owner of Kentucky was like, dude, you are legit. Like you're one of the best. We, we planned a tour of Sydney. We guided it and I won this competition and Kentucky wanted to keep me on. And so I was all about it. When I stayed in Australia, I still talked to him. We were designing itineraries. We were doing stuff. I was leading tours in Australia and New Zealand eventually. And basically I would be on these tours leading people and telling them, Hey, you know, look at that fucking statue. And there's a museum. There's some old shit in there. And everyone's (laughs) like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, lunch break. What did you do last night? I'm like, all right, just between us, there is a bar that's like five blocks down. If you cut the corner and they dress up like furry animals and they literally like hump on each other. There's this weird Japanese techno music. It's the shit. And they're like, Oh my God, why can't we do stuff like that? And I thought to myself like, huh, maybe we can like, why don't I start doing the same thing I'm doing, planning itineraries and running tours for crazy people, not people that want to see statues and shit. So I started what was then the travel tribe because me and Takata were trying to like culturally immerse ourselves and get under the radar at the peak of our quote unquote fame. And I swear to God, I'm using that term so loosely, but you know, we didn't want to be photographed at certain points. So it was me and him and we had other real worlders and extremely pseudo celebs, you know, hanging with us, trying to get under the radar and travel, not like celebrities in the red dirt off the red carpet. And Eventually, it became the point where I was like, dude, this is, we called it the travel tribe. And I was like, this is no longer a cool little fun idea because we're excluding people when our goal is to bring the American youth into the knowledge of how beautiful travel is, how much it can expand your mindset and your lifestyle and just make you happy. Get out of your cubicle slash coffin that we talked about earlier. It's become exclusivity. And so recently, we changed it from the travel tribe to the bucket list club. 
And it's a travel community. It's not a fucking travel company because a company is power over people, profit over people, and not we focus on the individual's experience and the group mentality of just a positive, amazing, life-altering type of shit. I know that sounds corny, but it really, if you haven't been on a trip, that's what it is. But we don't go to Spain to go to Spain. We're the bucket list club. We only do bucket lists. So we go to the running of the bulls in Spain. We go to Oktoberfest in Munich. We go to Songkran Thai New Year's. We go to the Lantern Festival in China, Japanese Penis Parade. I mean, everything that is the new wonder of the world, the most awe-inspiring, amazing events and festivals on the planet, we go there, and that's our bucket list. And then we create um, these highly curated tours around that date that are culturally immersive, off the beaten path, if there's cool, actually, you know, tourist shit to do, we do that. But we meet people. We, It's a pressure cooker of relationships, and we're just kind of a weird little traveling family that just crush out the coolest shit that you could ever do on the planet. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing. That sounds incredibly dope. People are going to hear that and want to know uh, how they can be a part of it. Where where can people find info? Well, our bucket – our. Uh, our actual website is www.bucketlistclub.earth, not .com. A lot of people get that mixed up. All of our social media across the platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever the heck you could think of is at Bucket List Club Earth. Um, and, by the way, me and my partner Jay, who is picking me up here in about four hours because we are going on a wild Western American tour of Las Vegas and San Diego and LA and Arizona and Tijuana, because I swear to God, we're going to Tijuana just because I'm running low on inhalers <clears throat> and they're $79 in the U S and they're $4 in Tijuana. I'm getting a year supply, but we are starting a podcast called the counter tourists. And we recorded a whole bunch of episodes. The first one is dropping next Monday which I don't know when this is being recorded or this will be going up on Monday. So today folks, you can go and get, you can go get counter tourists. And I meant Wednesday. Oh, sorry. Wednesday. So in two days, but you can go and set it, set an alert in your calendar right now that on Wednesday, you need to go and subscribe rate and review. Don't even listen to it. Just rate it. Give it five stars. Do all that good stuff. Counter tourists. Check it out wherever your podcasts are sold. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing, man. Just running around the world, trying my best to have a good time, life expanding, mind expanding. And I'm just trying to have everybody else do the same thing. People get so pissed all the time. Relax. Well, you didn't mean for it to do this, but this podcast came full circle because this whole thing started with a story that began with the only way that you could have possibly answered the call of WPLJ, come and cut the line and be on the real world. The only way you could have attended <laughs> is to get asthma and call out of your jail stint. And to do that, you probably needed an inhaler. And now you are going to Tijuana, my friend, for no other reason than to acquire more inhalers. You are a brilliant storyteller, my friend, bringing it back around. Love it. Hey, it's just the belt and the buckle is a grenade, buddy. Boom. What a catchphrase. We might have to get that in the Challenge Mania hey, shop. Z, what do you got for him, D? Dude, he told like four stories. It's like <laughs> been an hour and a half and it was just four stories. 
Um, I wish all these podcasts were, were kind of that easy. And, and I almost feel like a lot of them have it in, have it in them. I just think that he was, he's been so, uh, he's, he, he's been so away from the challenge that I needed to, I wanted to know like what this ride has been like. And in four stories, <laughs> he gave it to ago. me. I love four it. Four fucking stories, hour and a half. I can't wait to listen to this pie. I swear to God, I'm going to try. If I see something online that's like, oh, this country, this cool festival over here, like I may actually listen to it. I don't, I don't have time to listen to any other, anything else because I have a child. We're well, talking about counter tourists. Derek. Counter tourists. Why everybody. don't you come on one of my bucket list club trips? Wow. Oof. All right. All right well, so just. I'm going to give you my two favorite of this year, okay, if that's okay. The next one is Oktoberfest. Everyone's heard of it. And then La Marseille in Barcelona. So we're doing Munich and in Barcelona in eight days. Super cheap. And at the end of it, we're partnered with Stoke Travel. So we have basically a 2,500-person festival within Oktoberfest. We've set up. VIP tents with air conditioning and air mattresses, and we're camping inside Oktoberfest with our own stage. We got bands flying out from London, from Sydney, and we have this huge stage. And the banger at the end of it is I, six months ago, signed up for the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest crowd surf of all time. Ooh. And I am going to crowd surf for as long as it takes, and we have a adjudicator flying out from Berlin to actually get me in the Guinness Book of World Records, and you can guess anybody in my phone contact list, that's what they're getting for Christmas, highlighted with a bookmark in it, Isaac Stout, the world's longest whatever. But we got a bunch of cool shit going on. We got beach lists and all that. So here's my, my brainchild and my baby, okay? This New Year's. We're going to New Zealand. We already talked about me being a tour guide, living in New Zealand for a while. I know the place like the back of my, there it is. So we're going to fly to New Zealand right after Christmas for New Year's. Partied up, do the New Zealand stuff, action adventure. Then we're going to this huge rented out nightclub on the 31st, 2019 for New Year's Eve, right? The ball drops. Everybody rages. You know, big city, New Zealand, which is actually the number three in a lot of BuzzFeed things. Number three New Year's parties in the world. Rage out. Woohoo! 2019. Uh, happy New Year. The next day, we have 25 flights booked from Auckland to Rorotonga Island, which just so happens to be over the international dateline. So we are raging waking up, getting on a plane, two-and-a-half-hour flight over the international dateline, and we arrive at 8.30 p.m. December 31st, 2019. So we literally go from 2020 back to 2019, and then we do a calm, cool, sophisticated island party for New Year's two days in a row celebrating the 31st. So it's called Two Year's Eve Time Travel New Year's. Wow. That sounds wow. incredible. Uh, that's how we roll. That's the bucket list. And every single person has an open heart and an open mind. That's your only prerequisites for joining the club. 
that you got to fill out a form and shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will check you guys out. Hey, I know you mentioned your laundry list of places you might wind up sleeping at. Uh, if you happen to be in the San Francisco Bay Area around September 7th, we're doing Challenge Mania Live with your homeboy Kahuta, Abram Boise, Darrell Taylor, Derek, myself. We'll be there doing Cobb's Comedy Club if you're around. When is it? Saturday, September the 7th. What the fuck? Kahuta didn't tell me. Abram didn't tell me. But we're telling you right now. So if That's you happen, some bullshit though. Yeah, I'm if coming. you happen to be in the area, I can't fly you there or anything. But if you happen to be in the area, Mister Vagabond, we would love to have you. Hey, and I'm sure the people I'm there coming, would love to hear some I'm more of this. Sending a very, very mean spirited text to a few people right now. But that bullshit sounds like Isaac's kicking the door down at Cobb's Comedy Club on September seventh, Scott. Baby. But you have to say Daddy's story. home. You have to say Daddy's home when you do. When you come into that comedy club, you have to say Daddy's home. We might even chant it for you. How about that? Man, I just absolutely love being on podcasts. In a motorcycle helmet. Yeah, with a bag of fish and chips. Literally, there is no other forum in my life where (laughs) people will let me circle my house and just talk for two hours and listen. No one else does that. And I love podcast for that because when i'm a guest i just get to just blow wind and people suck my wind there you go brother well dude uh i know you're you you don't love the twitter but uh put it on next week because i'm sure you'll get some love from the people who listen to this podcast and utilize that shit because every time you go somewhere and got a cool festival going on i'm gonna retweet it and people know where the fuck and send us and tweet us and let us know we will retweet the shit out of your podcast next week and we'll try to mobilize the maniacs as we like to say to get you guys some subscribers uh our people love to travel they come and travel around the country to come check out us couple goobers on stage talking about the challenge i'm sure they would love to jump out of a plane with you and do two new year's eves in a row so uh they would (laughs) probably love your podcast uh so definitely tweet it at us let us know we'll retweet it we'll mobilize the maniacs we really appreciate you brother hey man thank you for having me it's such a blast hell yeah thanks for sharing bro uh hopefully we see you september 7th if not look man it's hard for me to 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 really get away and you know from from this life over here but um i love to go crazy listen if you if if, you can i love to go crazy Just say Isaac. Yes. One day I want to do it. Let's go to Poland. I want to go to Poland. Can you do Poland? I can do Poland all day, baby. (laughs) All right, brother. Talk soon. Hey, thank you guys. Have a great night. All right, D, I wasn't kidding. That was unlike any episode of this podcast we have ever done. Yeah, I didn't know if, like, you were, you know, you were getting offended over there, if you were pissing your pants, uh, if you were enjoying it. I couldn't tell you. You weren't saying much. And, you know, I was wondering if maybe the language was too much, if he was douchebag, too douchebaggery for you, but, or if he was just colorful enough, you know, to, to get your goat. No, let me explain my silence there for the majority of that podcast. So as you saw at the beginning there, right, I I tried to sort of treat it like how I treat 
our average podcast guests keep it moving, bob and weave, get that little piffy comment in there, get to the next question. But he very quickly kind of shut that down. He's, why are you yelling kind of thing? You know, one of those things where it's like, all right, this is kind of a different vibe here. <laughs> and then I sit back and, and you probably sit there and you think I'm cringing. And I did cringe at about one out of every 45 words. But that doesn't mean that I didn't take to early on, I realized this is not like every episode of this podcast. And what I love about Challenge Mania is that not every episode is the same. Not every guest is the same. Not every Every vibe or pacing of an episode will be the same. Sometimes we'll have a guest on. We'll be able to bang through 60 or your questions. Sometimes we'll bounce from this to this to this. Sometimes there'll be a lot of interjecting of my opinions, your opinions, stories on our end. This was not that. This was this guy. It's, it seemed very cathartic for him. It was like he was reliving this stuff, talking it out. I mean, I found all of what he said to be absolutely hysterical. Definitely pushing a boundary or two here or there, but those stories he told from the casting story, talking about how he had to spend a day in jail that happened to be the day that he was supposed to go try out for the real world, when it wasn't even him trying out, it was his girlfriend at the time. He won the, the right to jump the line from a radio station, but he had to go and give himself asthma to get out of his jail time to go to the thing. That's one of the craziest casting stories I've ever heard. That's the craziest version of the, I was just going to support my friend and they cast me instead of her I've ever heard on this show. We've heard that story a few times. Oh, I wasn't even supposed to be there. It was my friend who wanted to be on, you know. But this was the weirdest version of that I ever heard. Then the Big Brother story, I'm not going to lie. I had no idea he was on Big Brother UK. And I thought, okay, we're going to get like a little story about how that happened. That was like a 30-minute portion that I found to be between the window into like what that experience was like to the little anecdotes about the other girls sending the pictures to the, the journalists trying to pry sex tapes out of him for $3 million, getting called <laughs> to the diary room, and his commentary, every, and then stopping at the airport, getting detained just so they could talk to him about Big Brother. He's got the grenade, bringing it full circle with the belt buckle. It was brilliant. Unbelievable. So, you know, no, it wasn't that I was quiet because I was hating it or I was offended. Or whatever. No, I, I was sitting back and I was listening to it because I was like, you know what? I read our comments. I read our feedback. Sometimes people are like, Scott, sometimes you need to shut the fuck up. Derek, you're long-winded. Scott, you're rambling. Stop asking such long questions. And I could just feel that this guy, it wasn't going to help the podcast to kind of chirp in and be like, well, here's what I think about cigarettes. Well, here's what I think about airports, you know? So I just left it out, and I just kind of yeah, let you, him go. Well you, well, you tried. You tried at the beginning, and then you just kind of like got kicked. You just you just got, you got, you, you got shoved off to the side. You got shoved off. You just got... All right, that's enough. It's enough of your douchebaggery comments, Scott. Well, no, we all got well, a little bit of douchebag in us. No, you're totally right. And what I, what I thought was interesting was the idea of like, you know, oh, well, I didn't want to go on reality TV because I thought it was this. But then these things are what got me to do reality TV. And I don't see necessarily that big of a difference between those two motivations. Now, whether my thought process is interesting or not. You know, it doesn't belong there. Who cares? He doesn't care. Nobody cares. Scott, no, shut the fuck up. Listen, it, it, here's exactly my point is this is a guy that got chosen over, I don't know if it's a million people. Uh, maybe it was 50, 60, 80,000 people. I, it, the number doesn't matter. He got picked over a lot of people to entertain, you, you know, the world, not just America, but other countries. You know, they're like, this guy is entertaining enough to – entertain everybody he That's won best people. character on a show he was on for 11 hours and i think exactly. he might have just won best challenge mania podcast with four stories to be yeah, honest with yeah you. he yeah you he was it. he was definitely a, he was a he was definitely a random like rogan kind of guy like you he went rogue why on, so the guy great. he went rogue he went rogue just like rogan uh it, I, honestly it's just like you hear why the guy was probably 
plucked not just out of a long line of people who wanted to be on that show, but he's sitting in the waiting room. He doesn't even want to be going to get interviewed. And he just probably talked some guy's ear off for five seconds. And if that was a casting director or a casting associate, they said, no, 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 this is the guy. Just the way he thinks, just the way he talks, you know? Maybe he threw in there. I wish I knew this, but maybe he threw in there the thing about the jail. I have no idea. But you hear him talk and you're like, this guy was made for reality TV. Um, that, I mean, and then the story about the computer, or he finds the magazines, he k- takes them all because of his Facebook. I mean, unbelievable. I can't wait to have him on again at some point to continue that. Um, let him hear it, guys. At Sometimes Isaac on uh, Twitter. And uh, definitely check out his podcast, Counter Tourists, this Wednesday, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you get our podcast, you can probably get that one. Definitely check it out. Let them hear, folks. And if you guys feel like taking some international trips, don't do it on a weekend we have Challenge Mania Live. But if you do feel like doing that, definitely check out his travel company. Um, really cool stuff that they're doing. Him and Kahuta. Uh, Kahuta, of course, who will be with us at Challenge Mania Live San Francisco, which I think is the craziest lineup we've ever had. Kahuta, Abe, Darrell, yourself. Uh, wow, I, I cannot wait for that show in the Bay Area. Guys, if you live in Oakland, if you live in San Jose, if you live in Sacramento, I want to see you at the show. This is our only stop in the Bay Area for quite some time. Please come out to Cobb's Comedy Club. We cannot wait to see you guys out there. We, we went out of our way to bring these guys in from Montana to make this lineup special for you guys. I know you guys have been clamoring for a show for some time, so we hope to see you guys there. Lineups are filling out, D. We got six shows. If you go to challengemania.live, our new website, six shows, including New York City, D, where we will be joined by Pauly Calafiore and Nani Gonzalez. Get your tickets at challengemania.live. Get tickets to all the shows at challengemania.live. You know, just, uh, you know, I've been, I've been talking about this from the beginning. I don't know if I completely had told you this, but these people that get chosen to go on these shows, like they can come on tomorrow and be like, this is what I did the night before and it'll still be entertaining. That's why I'm hoping that even the next few podcasts, although they, the, the guests may not be like these, you know, people you've heard from in, 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 in a while, I think they're going to be very Isaac like, you want to tell tales. them? We could pro- probably recorded some of them by the time this airs. Who, we, who are we going to be talking to sometime soon, D? Well, well, we're shoot- well, look, we're shooting for Ruthie. We're shooting for Ruthie, um, who's actually in Poland right now. And we're trying to, we're trying to line up that interview. I've been trying to set it up for maybe a year. Like I've been trying to get her for maybe a year. And, um, she, uh, she reached out. I guess she's talking to someone in Poland and she's, she's been out there a few times now. And, uh, just ironically, you know, I speak Polish and, you know, I've never been to Poland and, um, uh, I don't, and, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get her out. She's on Cameo. Check her out on Cameo now. Um, if you want to, if you want to message and, uh, and it, 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 like the next guest, I don't know how many people are going to remember, but Dan Walsh, the Danimal, um, we've got him lined up. He's a comedian, I believe in Los Angeles now. And, uh, the story of when he left the challenge or when he left the island is, has too something to do with cops and, uh, leading to sobriety a little bit, which may have led to him not being on any more shows. But nonetheless, man, this, these guys, these people will will have some unbelievable stories similar to Isaac's four. We could have just gave him a topic and he would have given us another 30 minutes of entertainment. The challenge, the only sport where sobriety and cleaning up your act 
ends your career. All right, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend, everybody. Challengemania.shop for your gear. Zombiesailor.com for those amazing I'm a Challenge Maniac pins. And we will see you in Las Vegas on Saturday, August the 3rd, where everyone is VIP. Oh, and thank you to our, thank you to our patrons, patreon.com slash challenge mania. Thank you to our patrons. We can't do this without you. You are our pod squatters and we love you very much. Bonus podcasts over there, uh, did a really cool one talking about the, uh, top 20 all time greatest male and female challengers. Oh yeah, D, I should ask you. So I had a guy on, his name's Mike Alvey. He had been uh, putting together these lists. It's all his opinion. He emailed me, said, Hey, I wonder if you want to maybe have me on the podcast. And, you know, uh, I needed a bonus podcast for last week. And so I said, you know, why don't D's in Chicago? I'll call Mike. Why don't I debate his list with him? It's a really great podcast. It's actually available now for everybody for free to listen to over there. But he was a little disappointed that you weren't there because he had a couple questions for you regarding the list. You were ranked one spot behind Kenny. He had you at seventh overall and he had Kenny at sixth overall. How does that make you feel? Kenny has, uh, although I don't think he's uh, as athletic as I am, I think that he had always had a better uh, political game, social game. Um, and also he his his percentage, his batting percentage, his win percentage, his final percentage is better. And I believe his his elimination record isn't isn't too shabby. So overall challenge wise, you know, as, as much as I hate to say it, and, you know, we both have three challenge championships together. Um, you could argue that my elimination record is more, um, potent, stronger, hardcore. Um, but you, his, his political game and his, in his, in his win percentage, what is he like? Three for seven? What is it? What's, what's Kenny's win percentage? You want me to look it up for you? I'll look it it's up. It's like, he's like three, three for eight. Um, he's been to probably almost every final that he, uh, that he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or he's, he's been to almost every, uh, uh, every final and every challenge. Um, so. All right. He, he made the final uh, on Fresh Meat. Yeah. He won Inferno 3, final on Gauntlet 3, won the island, won the ruins, final on Fresh Meat 2, final on Rivals. Pretty impressive. And his eliminations are five wins, one loss. Yeah, Pretty yeah. Good. So, Pretty good. so, so, what is that? What does that come out to be? What six, five, three for seven, three for eight? Uh, so he is three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, three for eight. And if you include the finals, he literally only didn't make a final on one season. So, the duel, probably, which yeah. when he went home early to okay. Nehemiah. And then I also want to get your opinion in general on the six people who are ahead of you on this yeah. list. So it's CT, Johnny, Landon, Evan, Mark, Kenny, and then you at seven. Any of those people um, you not like having ahead of you? Uh, well, here's the thing. Here's just the thing. You just got to look at – you have to look at these championships, you know, and I'm surprised that Darrell's not not in there somewhere. Um, uh, Darrell sits at nine, and I actually asked him about Darrell and why he was that low because um, he has him uh, – actually has Jordan at eight above Darrell, so – and then Wes at ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you just – first of all, CT has two wins. And uh, many, many, many chances. Right? This is one guy's opinion, by the way. But yeah, so CT, you think is a little highly ranked there? No, no, I'm not saying that. I- I'm saying he deserves 
to be somewhere uh, at the top. Yep. I'm just saying when you go when you start arguing with you know challenge championships and uh and, and versus in percentages and how many that stuff you know comes into play too. Um. So you know being an an unbelievable athlete is is different. Also, as I just said with with Kenny is like that being an unbelievable challenge competitor. You know, like you have to adapt to other people you have to adapt to teams you have to adapt to challenges you have to um you know you have to adapt to the the house essentially you know becoming amityville horror you have to adapt to your own demons you know what i mean so um you know he's been you know it's just you know two four you know how many 15 there's more to CT. Now you go CT. Two wins How in fifteen many? seasons for CT. Okay, cool. That's that's not that great. If you, in the grand scheme, eliminations five wins, four losses. Not that great in the grand scheme of things. You know, you look at Kenny's percentages, like you just at, at, talked about, and you know, way way different. You know, um, but you know, another thing not talked about is um, a lot of individual wins from uh, a guy like ct individual wins meaning individual mini challenge wins you know and also johnny bananas has a lot of mini challenge wins he's, he's also a guy that you know is able to win uh like life shields per se or whatnot um you know like i'm not i'm not a big f- win first place you know uh in many competitions so those are other things that you that that come into play that may have not been discussed you know between two guys that haven't actually played the game but have just seen the game from a distance and also you know also look at it as you know just for what it is what you see so i can essentially give you know kind of get you know create that wedge in there and and give you a different perspective i i'm I, i'm not going to sit here and tell you you know ct is is you know no I, I Johnny is still six for eighteen, which gives him a percentage of uh what what's that one uh six for eighteen what's that um one third he's winning one third of his competitions, which comes down to what through still like a three hundred batting average right am I wrong what's that come out to six for eighteen. Uh, what six for eighteen is one third? It's three thirty three. Yeah, so he's still batting above three hundred. It's still better than my three hundred, three of ten. Well, he's ranked at number two here. What's interesting, I'll say this, and then we'll get out of here, is that if you take the parameters of our Hall of Fame, which is that CT's ineligible, Johnny's ineligible, and that we purposely left Evan and Kenny off the ballot. Uh, three here is Landon, five here is Mark. So that's who got into our Hall of Fame. Very interesting. In lockstep agreement here. Uh, and we won't talk about the women here, but maybe we will bring Mr. Alvi back on and uh, do a little follow-up with him over at patreon.com slash challengemania. That's where you get the bonus content, folks. We're also going to be doing a podcast dedicated entirely to Fresh Meat, which won the poll, and uh, we'll be doing a big cast reveal. Once they're ready to drop that cast, we're going to have a big old cast reveal podcast dropping the day of over at patreon.com slash challengemania. You're going to want to sign up now. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you. Go Bulls. Yep. Yep. Thanks, patrons. Later. All right, guys, this ends your time here on Challenge Mania. Take care of yourselves, and hopefully we'll see you in the future.